is Menagerie. Cry havoc and let's slip the dogs of war. For thousands of years, actual dogs traveled alongside soldiers and served with them on battlefields. The practice stretches from ancient Egypt all the way to the modern military. And they're hardly the only animal species that's been put to use in warfare. Hannibal's elephants famously helped the Carthaginian commander cross the Alps to wage war on the Roman Republic. And around the world, armies on the march received food and supplies from trains of mules. Cavalry charges on horseback were the height of military technique for centuries, right up until the advent of the machine gun made them all but obsolete in the early 20th century. For those of you wondering, the use of decomposing livestock as ammunition for catapults seems confined to the realm of urban legend and Monty Python routine. Today on the show, though, we're talking about a military mammal of a different sort. Not the dogs of war, but the dolphins of... Well, of naval security, anyway. Compared to their terrestrial cousins, dolphins have a pretty brief military history. The first cetacean recruit was Naughty, a female white-sided dolphin inducted into the armed forces in 1960. At that time, the U.S. Navy was testing the combat fitness of more than a dozen marine species, including some sharks and a couple of seabirds. Military service wasn't part of the plan for these early enrollees, as intimidating as a brigade of sharks might have been. The Navy was more interested in biomechanics, what the body shape and movements of a dolphin or sea lion could teach them about how animals move underwater, and how that could help them develop more efficient torpedoes and faster submarines. But a couple of animals being studied, naughty among them, impressed researchers with their intelligence and trainability. It didn't take much imagination to think up uses for well-trained marine mammals that could slip behind enemy lines and monitor ship movements undetected. Two species, the bottlenose dolphin and sea lions, stood out as particularly good candidates, and the U.S. Navy Marine Mammal Program was off and running within a few years. After that, it didn't take long for urban legends about dolphins trained to plant mines, blow up submarines, and even take out enemy troops began to make the rounds. There was even a movie about it, helmed by Oscar-winning director Mike Nichols. In Day of the Dolphin, George C. Scott plays Jake Terrell, a marine biologist who has taught dolphins to communicate with humans. Terrell's super-smart cetaceans are kidnapped, because Hollywood, and trained to assassinate the president by planting a mine on his yacht, because... Okay, I'll admit, I'm a little lost on that last point. Can you find B? George C. Scott stars in The Day of the Dolphin on NBC Saturday Night at the Movies at 9, 8 Central Time. Now, it should be noted that there is no record of military dolphins being trained to murder the President of the United States. Though, it should also be noted that if anyone was training military dolphins to kill the sitting President of the United States, they probably wouldn't make records of it. In fact, despite persistent rumors to the contrary, the work of Navy dolphins is notably peaceful as far as military applications go. These animal assets have been trained to identify mines and swimmers in potentially hostile waters, reporting the presence of such unwelcome surprises to their human partners. Dolphins from the Marine Mammal Program were first seen in service in the early 1970s, 
when a group of five of the animals guarded army ammunition stores in Vietnam's Cameron Bay. Now, dolphins can't identify friend from enemy, and they can't report on the make or model of an undersea mine. What they can do, though, is notice things that shouldn't be there, and let their trainers know if something seems out of place. According to some sources, those limitations mean that both dolphins and the sea lions they work alongside will be out of a job shortly. The Marine Mammal Program is funded through the year 2020, but it's a likely candidate to be phased out not long after that. Remember how the initial research into marine mammals was to learn more about how they move and develop underwater craft that can take pointers from that data? Well, those craft are here. Just as unmanned aerial drones are playing a larger role in the Army and Air Force, underwater drones are increasingly taking over reconnaissance for the Navy. Which just goes to show that no career choice, not even bomb-sniffing dolphin, is safe from automation these days. Just like any elite squad of military personnel, though, the Navy's dolphins have one last job to do before they retire. And while some folks may be thrilled at the notion of a dolphin-centric action blockbuster, don't worry if you're not. The Navy's dolphins aren't likely to get involved in a firefight on their final run. Instead, they're key players in an international mission of mercy. With some help from zoologists and teams of conservation workers, the United States Navy Marine Mammal Program is going to help save a species from extinction. If you don't know exactly what a vaquita is, you are hardly alone. These petite porpoises never made the splash in the public imagination that other dolphins did. Bottlenose dolphins had a beloved television mascot and flipper starting in 1964. Vaquitas, by comparison, were first discovered just a few years earlier in 1958. And by the time they were described by science, they were already one of the rarest animals on the planet. Their numbers have only dwindled since then. Taking their name from the Spanish for little cow, vaquitas are the smallest members of the porpoise family. At about four and a half feet long, with dark markings that emphasize their large eyes and upturned mouths, vaquitas look a little like a dolphin crossed with your childhood teddy bear. They are extremely adorable, pose no threat to any life form outside of a few dozen species of fish they feed on, and live only in the northern reaches of the Gulf of California. And, because the world is terrible, they are one of the single most endangered animal species on the face of the planet. That's largely because vaquitas have the misfortune of being about the same general size and shape as the totoaba, a fish that lives in the same region as them. The totoaba is also critically endangered. Its meat and organs considered a delicacy in some cuisines, and its swim bladder is a prized ingredient in Chinese traditional medicines. High demand means that while it's illegal to fish for totoaba, it's also extremely lucrative. The swim bladders alone can be sold on the black market for tens of thousands of dollars apiece. Those prices mean there are plenty of people still fishing for totoaba, mostly with gill nets that can also snare vaquitas. The impact on both species has been crippling, but the slower breeding mammal has gotten the worst of it. As of 2016, it's estimated that there are less than three dozen vaquitas still alive in the wild. Researchers and conservationists are hoping to keep them that way, but first, they have to find them. While the vaquitas range is quite limited, the northern Gulf of California 
is still a pretty big place to go looking for a handful of miniature porpoises. That is where the Vaquitas cousins in the service come in. One of the reasons that dolphins have thrived in the marine mammal program is that they're very good at finding things underwater. In the next couple months, they'll turn that knack for tracking to a pursuit of the world's few remaining vaquitas. Navy-trained dolphins will seek out vaquitas in the Gulf the same way they find and identify most objects, by painting a picture of their size, shape, and structure using sonar. To identify vaquitas, the dolphins will be trained to search out small, moving targets that are filled with air, which return a distinct biological echo when they're pinged with sonar. While it's not their usual job, it's one the Marine Mammal Program recruits are well-suited for. Just a few months ago, they were able to track a pod of porpoises in the waters near San Diego as a proof of concept. When they find one, the dolphins will report back to their handlers and assist them in rounding up the little porpoise using a gill net. This won't be one of the deadly nets used by Totoaba fishers, though. Personnel from the U.S. and Mexican navies, along with veterinary staff, will trap the vaquita using a lighter-duty gill net, the sort usually used for catching smaller fishes, like salmon. Some of the vaquitas caught will be tagged and released, so that researchers can more easily keep track of them. Others, though, will be removed from their habitat, in the hopes that efforts to fight illegal fishing will succeed in the coming years, and make it safe for them to return to their home one day. Until that happens, though, the captured vaquitas will be placed in floating open-water pens, where the hope is that they will be out of danger for at least the time being. With a little luck, scientists might even be able to assist in breeding a new generation of vaquitas in this makeshift marine preserve. The plan is not without risks, though. Any attempt to wrangle a vaquita into containment, even a well-intentioned one, comes with the possibility of injuring or killing the animal. And even if they're not harmed during the process, porpoises, dolphins, and whales don't generally take too well to life in pens. Open water or otherwise, captivity stresses the animals out and takes a heavy, sometimes lethal toll. There's a real possibility that, despite the best efforts of everyone involved, this project will ultimately result in the last of the vaquitas dying not in the Gulf of California, but in captivity. While the program's far from a sure shot, though, it's likely the best one the species has left. Vaquitas have been disappearing at an increasing rate since the 1990s. If that trend holds, the extinction of the vaquita is an inevitability. Every forecast agrees that the last of these porpoises in the wild will be dead within a year or two. Before that happens, though, a crew of cetacean sailors, trained to discover mines and defend aircraft carriers, has one last job and one last opportunity to give their cousins a fighting chance. Menagerie is produced by Ian Chant. That's me. Our theme music is The Year by Defiance Ohio, off their album The Great Depression. You can listen to every episode of this show at our website, menageriepodcast.com, where you'll also find extras like photos, show notes, videos, and more. And if you like today's show, do us a favor and tell a friend about it. You can also subscribe to Menagerie on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or whatever podcasting app you use. And if you do listen on Apple Podcasts, be a pal. Rate and review the show. It only takes a second, and it really helps other people find us. Menagerie will be back next month with a new episode, and that'll be the last one for a little while before we go on a brief hiatus. 
Until then, and as always, thanks for listening.